Welcome to Squared Circle Rewind, where we will review old pay-per-views of the WWF slash WWE, WCW, and ECW in chronological order. This is episode one, where we review WCW Starcade 83, Flair for the Gold. I'm Jesse Evans, joined by Ben Suffield and Dave Boddy. This event is coming to you from the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina. And the first match is the Assassins versus Ruthless R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. Who? Yeah. The, I call him Comeback Kid. I thought the Assassins were going to be like the Cuban Assassins when I first And it heard. turned out to be two fat white dudes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, much, did two much. fat white Oh, the Cuban Assassin. This should be good. No, no, it's a couple white dudes. Okay, uh, no. that, are, that, are, that are very, very out of shape. Oh, and just... The, the announcers actually forgot who the participants were. Yes, they did. But yeah. they, they managed to talk about Flair and Race through the whole match. Yeah. Through the whole match. They weren't even talking about what was going on in the match. This was Gordon Soley and his partner, I think it's uh, Cottle, Bob Cottle. And uh, that's all they did was talk about the Flair-Race match. They didn't even give this match this match two had, seconds. like, no direction. None. Like, it was just everywhere. Like, there was comebacks. There was... No comebacks, and then more comebacks. Like it was just yeah. absolute. It was just garbage. Like, this must just... have been before the time when they wanted to start off uh, a pay per view with a good match to get the crowd into it because this match was not good. This is how you do not start a pay per view. Yes, it it made no sense. Like uh, Dave was saying, uh, Bugsy McGraw blew like seventeen comebacks in that match. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating all that much. Like, it might have been 10 or something. Like, it was ridiculous. Well, usually a comeback follows a good sell, and he wasn't selling. No, no, he refused. Was just... He was jiggling, though. Oh. oh, man, these guys are so out of shape. Just a bad match. Uh, but for whatever reason, the crowd was into it. Uh, WCW fans must have just had lowered expectations, because this was not a good match. Well, it was hyped really big in the uh, in the area as well. They said it was going to be like the biggest uh, wrestling event you'd ever seen. Yeah, I guess. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. got to make it sound like it's a million dollars. Not the opening match, though, but I think it was just the overall, like, the crowd was probably just really hyped that, hey, we're here, all right, yeah, yeah. wrestling. Yeah. I don't care if it's bad. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, true enough. Um... And the the finish was uh, Assassin 1 or Assassin 2. I am not sure. They're both fat white dudes. Jim and Bob. Yeah, Jim and Bob rolled up uh, rolled up Bugsy McGraw for the finish. One, two, three. A roll-up. With a roll-up, yeah. A big man did the roll-up. A big man did the roll-up. Yeah, yeah, that made no sense that to me. How does that make sense from a psychology there standpoint? Were, you, if it was that much bigger, then you... Man, you can just hit him with like a JBL clothesline almost, and I mean that would make sense. He's yeah. bigger; it's going to hurt more. No, anyways, it, it was a roll. I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> Moving on to match number two. Can you get past me your aspirin. Uh, match number two is Johnny Weaver and Scott McGee against Kevin Sullivan and I put Mark L. Mark Lewin. Like I couldn't understand a word they were Mark saying. Lewin. Yeah, legendary. I heard L, so I'm like, all right, Mark L. It L is. stands for legendary. <laughs> yeah, and this match was just like the 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 main vision I have in this match is Kevin Sullivan side bumping on a bulldog. Yes, that's the only thing I, that really stood out was okay, you know, he didn't do a face bump, he just did a side bump. Yeah, yeah, and it just I'm like this, that is that was the entire match to me. Yeah. Where it was just it was just like what is happening, 
like there was just so much that was happening that it was just confusing. It and it just wasn't like it just wasn't a good match. The heels dominated for most of the time. I think the the, the faces didn't even get to really blow a comeback all that much. Uh, the heels kept on cutting them off. Um, the finish was um, Lewin coming off the top top rope with a knee drop to Weaver's shoulder as as Sullivan was holding it, and that that was the finish. One, two, three. Um, but all the action was actually after the match because yep. then the heels turned around and started attacking the faces, busted both of them open. Blood everywhere. Blood. After the match, yeah. After the match, blood everywhere, and Angelo Mosca comes in to save the day. Now, uh, for the Canadian uh, fans that are listening, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yes, Angelo Mosca was part of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Go Tiger Cats! There's actual uh, a YouTube video of him as an old man fighting, ah. fighting <laughs> Joe Cap. <laughs> you know, so take a look Classic. at that. Uh, old old retired football players swinging their canes at each other. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it was weird. It was interesting to see Mosca in the wrestling role, and he carries uh, he carries McGee out, who's just covered in blood. Like I just cannot believe the amount that kid is bleeding, and it's all over the mat. It just looked disgusting, to be quite <laughs> honest. Maybe I'm too used to the PG era, but I'm just like, oh god, this is bad. Wasn't he King Kong Angela Mosca? King Angela? Kong Angela Mosca. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't they have sued WWE for using King? Kong well, this was in '83. Yeah. I don't know if Bundy was there yet. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. the Road Warriors are just getting there, too. The Legion of Doom hadn't been established. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would make sense. So off to the third match. Do we have the, to? Which is the match we're all, we're all so excited for. Can we just skip it? Like, can we just look past this match altogether? Uh, the third match is Abdullah the Butcher versus Carlos Colon. And it was sanctioned as... Too violent in Puerto Rico, so they banned it. Or too bad of a match for Puerto Rico. They, they, yes, they banned I, it for Puerto Rico. I feel the Puerto Ricans had the best result from this. They, they were, yeah, they were. They, they were, were the biggest winners in this match, I think. Oh, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, it's just not good. Uh, there was a weapon five seconds into the match. <laughs> was it his fork? It was his fork. Is it the yes. same fork that he's used on I'm everybody? I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the ref let everything go, but I don't recall them saying it's a no DQ match. I think when Abby's booked, it's just automatically a no DQ. Match. Okay, because the ref, okay, no DQ. The <laughs> ref like was watching him stick a fork into Carlos Colon, and I was I was wondering, you know, he's uh, shocked. Yeah, he shocked ref, you probably should uh, you should you should probably call a disqualification on this, you know, with Abby being Abby and using his fork and whatever other weapons, but uh, blood right away, of course, because that's what you need to do. And, um, what was the finish? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was literally well, just, what two minute four. match. It was a, it was a two minute match, and there was a guy named Savanovic. Uh, he came in and interfered. Oh, and, Hugo Savanovic. Yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he hit uh, he hit Cologne, and then Abby pins him. So that's three heel wins in a row to start the to start the uh, Starcade. So you could tell what they're building for, Mister yep. Ric Flair. So so now we surpassed that one. Well, well, before there's before more notes. There, well, there's there's uh, there was an interview in between. Uh, they cut to the face locker room, and Angelo Mosca is there, and he's very, very angry about the attack. And they pan out, and there's Scott McGee, bloodied, sitting there like with no medical attention, just passed out. Looks like he's passed out on the bench, and Mosca's cutting in a uh, promo. 
And I'm wondering, like... Well, take care of them and bandage yeah, them up and help clean like, them up. Like, Why are you going like, into business for yourself in an interview, you bumbling buffoon? Like, what are you doing here? And then he starts talking about how it reminds him of, his, of, of a 21, 21-year-old named his son. So I'm assuming he named his son son, because that made no <laughs> sense. Right? Like... Son 1, Son 2. Son 1, Son 2. Like so, Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, that's just so weird. Like, just bad promos back then. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Let's go on to the fourth match. That was just bad. <laughs> Jesus. Chief Wahoo McDaniel and Mark Youngblood versus Bob Orton and Dick Slater. Start, starts picking up a little bit with this match. A, little, a, lot, a lot of excitement because, I mean, Wahoo was so over. Especially yep. in that territory. And Orton and Slater are great heels. Yeah. Actually, they would have been a fantastic tag team in WWE, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, but they were, Slater... They were, they were fantastic in WCW. Yeah, true. But, so, I mean, I, I don't know, Dick Slater... I think Dick Slater would have actually done really well in uh, WWE. He, but, he uh, goes into WWE at some point. I don't recall him ever being there, to be honest. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, I, I I thought this match was actually quite solid. Um, it was it compared was compared well, to what? compared compared <laughs> to compared to matches one, two, and three. This this was quite solid. The only thing was the um, Orton hits his nice top rope superplex. No, 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 I had to correct you. Oh, superplay. 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 Did he break his arm? In this, doing that? No, no, he no? his arm is not broken at this okay. point, which is surprising. Okay. Uh, Gordon Soley called every suplex a souple, like a cheese souple. Like, like what is that? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I've like, never heard it ever being called a souple until I actually watched this for the first time. I'm like, I've never heard it being called that or ever referred to that ever. Yeah, it's it's so weird. But after Bob Orton hit his top rope super souple. Um, and did the nice float over into the pin, yep. which was just pretty. Yeah. Um, the ref kind of slow counted a little bit, and Wahoo almost broke up, like technically broke up the pin, and they still counted as a three count. Wahoo mm-hmm. came in and was supposed to come in just a second too late to to break up the pin, and the ref was counting so slow that Wahoo actually broke up the pin, but they didn't recognize it. Ah, botch. Yeah, botchamania. Botchamania. Like what are you what are you doing, guys? Like this, you're building this as as the biggest event ever, and your ref can't understand how to do a count properly. Well, scallywags out of here. Yeah, another heel win. That's four in a row now. <laughs> so match, yeah, I guess so. Eh? Match yeah. number five is Charlie Brown Charlie against Brown? the Great Kabuki for the TV title. Is Snoopy in his corner? No. Oh. Uh, Fifty eight. Charlie Brown, the first 15 minutes of the match oh, was for the TV title. And <laughs> they then, didn't even know. And then... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and this, was all, this uh, was all brought up later because the, the announcers did not tell us what this match was about. Oh, by the way. Yeah, it was after the match. They so like, oh, it's, it's that, that first 15 minutes was for the title. And then if he didn't get the title... Then, like, if he didn't win in the first 15 minutes, this is Charlie Brown because Kabuki has the championship going into it. If Charlie Brown doesn't win, and then the the rest of the match is for Charlie Brown's mask. So if Charlie Brown wins after the 15 minutes, then he retains his mask. But if, like, I, I'm looking at my cohorts this here, is... and they're confused, and they have notes on this. So you guys out there must be so confused. So what you're saying to the viewers here is within the first 15 minutes... Charlie would be able to win the title. That's right. After that, 
If it's he, for his mask. And if he wins, he keeps his mask. He keeps his mask. But, does but he doesn't get, get the title. Does not get the title. Even though he beat the champion. That's right. What? Yep. So Now you're with me here. <laughs> How old is Vince Russo at this point? I didn't know he was working with the company yet. Oh. Uh, Absolutely atrocious. Like, atrocious match. But Charlie Brown is the most over man ever. Seriously. His beard. His beard is golden quality. Like... I don't know if they awesome. if they maybe pumped in noise for the network or something, but he sounds more over than Hogan. It's crazy for real. Like people are going nuts more over than Flair. It is insane, and you're watching this guy work, and you're just like, why? Yeah, why is this guy over? But like the match was just it was just everywhere. Like it was like they said, you know what? Go in and just do whatever you want. Like yeah, don't focus on psychology. Just, just give a match. Just give get a, a match. pop and get out. But Charlie Brown does a a a, a uh, the ancestor of the people's elbow to finish. Mm-hmm. He does oh, the yes. he does the the yeah. wide the, the the little sway off the ropes and then drops the people's elbow, which I'm guessing is the most electrifying move of the '80s. I think and um, pretty quick. And uh, Charlie Brown wins, and then they cut away from the match right away. So we don't know. And there's no explanation of the time. There's no time limit. That was uh, graphic. They uh, never, nothing. they never told us if he won within the time limit. You obviously know that he's keeping his mask, but you don't know if he won in the time limit. You don't know if it was for the title. Nothing. They just cut away. But let's fast forward to when they do tell us what happened, which is before the main event. Exactly. And he walks in for a promo with the title, and that's <laughs> it's well, like oh, an hour. This isn't like an hour later. This is an hour later. later and he walks in before the main event with the title, and it's like oh, I guess he's the champ. That happened. <laughs> like you would think for a title exchange, you would want to pop. Yeah. Like you're giving the title to the face, you yeah. know, who's more over at this point than Hogan and all the other top faces, and it's like the fans don't even get that like. Chance to cheer and pop for their guy winning the title. Yeah, like it just you yeah. you lost out a golden uh, moment. Now there. Charlie Brown under the mask is Jimmy Valiant. I Correct. Yes. So that's the whole point with the mask because Jimmy Valiant was technically banned from the territory at this time. So if he got unmasked, he'd have to leave and be banned forever. So, so they know he was actually Jimmy Valiant. Well, his beard kind of gave it so away. So a, really... a certain piece of cloth over his face is totally going to conceal everybody, everybody. From knowing who that it's is. Totally the Clark Kent. The Clark Kent. You know, he didn't shave his beard. He looked, He has a ZZ Top type beard. Very much and, so. And nobody else had it at this time, so it wasn't <laughs> very clever. So, yeah, so the finish wasn't really decided until an hour and a half later. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so. moving on to match number Now, this match is where things pick up. Finally. So this is uh, Greg this is Valentine. This the sixth match, by the six, way. Yeah, match six. So the five prior were dreadful. Yes. Uh, match six is Greg Valentine versus Roddy Piper. Uh, yes. In a dog collar match. And at first, I was kind of like skeptical with this. But then I remember like the talk about this pay-per-view match like in the years before and still yeah. now. Yeah. Like this ma- so I was actually excited to watch this and it paid off. It was a great match. They did so well and they used the chain so well within. Yep. You know, uh Valentine would try to escape and Roddy Piper would like kinda like hold the, the chain taut so he couldn't get anywhere. Yep. And uh Valentine would try to go through the ropes and Piper would pull him right yep. back through and it, it was, was almost like it was almost like a um, a three way match. At, yeah. and I mean the tr- the chain wasn't just a prop, like it was it was it part was actually part of the match. Yeah, which was awesome. And they used it's hard it well. to do. Uh, the blood makes sense in this match, where where in other matches, it, like in the Abbey match, like it, it it made sense in the Abbey match, but I didn't care for it. 
But in this match, it made sense, and they were using they used the chain well. They used it as a as a clothesline maneuver. A yep. couple times they used it to choke the other guy. Uh, just a bloody brutal match. Very well done. Love the psychology. Um, just just good good work by the two of them. And this was uh, this was Piper's. Um, I think this was a big shining moment for him because I mean soon after he would be going to WWE and headlining uh, more pay per views. Yep. And uh, years to come there too. So I it was mean, weird seeing Piper as a face though. In this match. Yeah, I, I must. Was. I must have been. I'm used to him as a heel, so that that was interesting. And but, I mean, just his character and his uh, mannerisms and that kind of thing. I mean, it, it, he never really changed. Yeah, you know, uh, Piper wins by clotheslining Valentine with the chain, knocking him out, getting the one, two, three, and using the chain, wrapping it around Valentine's legs, uh, and you and like pulling down so Valentine can't kick out. Like which you, is smart. Yeah. So. Using Psychology. the chain in a smart way within the match, which was awesome. Uh, the disappointing thing is Valentine's the champion. He's the U.S. champion at this time, and now it wasn't for the title. So that kind of sucked. You know, I thought uh, I thought that should have been... I thought if you're going to have the mega event to end all mega events, you'd have all your titles on the line. But uh, what do I know? It wasn't for the title. Eh? It was not for the title, no. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Match number seven is Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat. Facing Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Best match on the card, bar none. Yep. It was yep. a great match. The only for thing, the tag titles. For the tag titles, And yep. the Briscoes are the champions going and, into the match. You know, you, you'll hear on, on all our future broadcasts that anything that has Steamboat booked, we're excited for. Yes. Anything. Uh, the, built like a champion. Built like a champion. Great wrestler. Does everything well. Everything well. There's one point where... Jerry Briscoe has Steamboat in a key lock, mm-hmm. and Steamboat lifts him up with one arm over yep. his head. And like, like the Briscoes aren't huge by any standards, two forty. But, but yeah. still, to to lift somebody that was two forty yeah. from a squat and put your arm over your head, just your one arm with him hanging off your arm, that's impressive. Very, very and impressive. Let's not forget Jerry's suplace. Suplace. Where he jumps. He jumps. Yeah, Every single lands one. And lands very awkwardly. <laughs> it just doesn't make Is it this not the good. match where, as the commentator is uh, announcing who's in the match, isn't this where Jerry or Jack is on top of the turnbuckle? Yes, Jerry. He's just standing there on top, just of, the on top of the turnbuckle. I'm just like, were you, were you, I was actually kind of impressed by that. I was impressed too, but I was confused as well because I didn't know what was happening. But yeah, <laughs> are you gonna jump to the outside? Was... Like, what are you what are you doing there, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, do? good time though. This match had a lot of energy. A lot mm-hmm. of energy. Great match. Just a great. This is the best. Like Ben said, best match on the card. I didn't like the finish though. I thought it was actually kind of wasted and it was kind of squandered because. There wasn't really a build-up for a big, uh, explosive finish because, I mean, um, Youngblood and Steamboat win the match. Yeah. You'd think there would be a more of a you know a hard-hitting, impactful finish for the crowd to really pop. I mean, the crowd did pop when they went, but there was just like, oh, 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 oh they won kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you it know? was... Yeah, most of the finishes in this pay-per-view so far have been out of nowhere. Yeah, the yeah, out-of-nowhere out finish. Yeah. Like, been, and, yeah. like... I'm okay with out of nowhere finishes if there's a story that led to it. Yeah, and not <laughs> I'm, uh, out of nowhere finishes for a couple matches, not every single, every single one. one, or or seventy five percent of them. You know, you shouldn't. You know, it will, but like, yeah, like if you think about, it, we're nitpicking the smallest things in this match, and then that's it, true. That's how good it was. Like, it yes. was just 
I feel kind of wrong even finding the smallest things. Yeah. It's like, it was so well done. Uh, and then the next one is the, it's the main event. Yeah, the, we cut to the main event, which is going to be in a cage. So, on the pay-per-view, they start rolling credits. And at first, I was like... Never seen the main event? Yeah, what's Yeah, I thought, I, I was like, wait a second, Race and Flair are the main event. But then I, I, I clued in right away that, oh, they have to put the cage up. So they got to give it time. So they, yeah. they're, as they're putting up the cage, they were doing the, the events. They also did the national anthem. Before, before before the main event. event, before the main event, yeah, which was interesting. Not before the show, okay. it was before the main event, with local country star something something something. I don't remember his name. It wasn't. I didn't think it was that important, to be quite because, honest. Because only the main event is a tribute to the American national anthem, not That's the right. title, the entire event itself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now this, sure. this Harley races the champ against Ric Flair, and the, <laughs> obviously the ti- the pay per view is titled Flair for the Gold. And Harley is like still the man at this point. He's, like he's the top, man. top dog in the territory. Flair has been chasing him for six months. Uh, Race has paid off Orton and Slater to take him out for twenty five grand, which in nineteen eighty three is huge dollars. Well, it's huge dollars now, but like massive, massive. And um, the whole the whole event is leading up to this. That that's what it's all based on. And. Uh, Gene Kaniski, who was a former world champion, is going to be the special ref in this. Mm-hmm. So, also from Canada. That's right. So to, to to frame the this this match. So then we get into it, and it's slow. It's methodical. It's confusing. Uh, it's confusing at times. Kaniski's weird. Warning. Yes, yes. Uh, Kaniski's giving them close fist warnings in a cage, <laughs> and I thought cage was no DQ. So what does it matter? Uh, he was also calling foot on the ropes and stuff, yep. and it was like, it's a cage match. What does this matter? Um, Why is there a ref in the ring anyways? You know, it's a cage match. Uh, I think it worked within this because they, the whole, I think the whole... Is this a, one of those ones that well, the finish, it was a pinfall one? It was a pinfall one, finish. So. Oh, was it, well, uh, yeah, cage, it wasn't an escape The one. cage was to keep Orton... Did I say it was cage, cage matches? I've always liked better for that psychology. The cage was brought in to keep Orton and Slater out. Yes. Right? So right. that was the whole point. Flair finally got race on even ground here. Uh, and and it's it, the old mesh cage, too. Yeah. Like they used to uh, use in, like, uh, you know, the war games and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that and, was, that, to me, that was, like, that was a cage. Yeah. That's and a uh, cage. It, for me, what was distracting was Harley Race's punches. And it wasn't his punches because his punches looked awesome. But it was the, hey-sha, hey-sha, hey-sha. that's the sound Harley Race made every single time. <laughs> it was distracting for me. Like, like, like. Do you have something in your nose? Do you need to go blow it? Like, what's going on here? Um, and of course, both guys bleed. Uh, slow match. That this match went almost about forty minutes. Yeah. Um, and by today's standards, if you're judging it, it was not a good match because it wasn't fast enough. There wasn't enough spots. But the psychology was good in this match. You know, worse, it was, worse today, it's better athletes with no psychology. Well, or little psychology. Or little psychology. You know, so I liked it. The crowd was the crowd was actually quite quiet throughout throughout this match, but I think it was because it was so intense that they were like almost hanging off their seats with like bated breath to see what was going to happen. Uh, and of course, they botched the finish. Gene Kaniski <laughs> is supposed to just is gets knocked down, and he's supposed to stand behind or like be on all fours behind Harley Race 
And Flair comes off the top rope with a crossbody, and I think Race is supposed to fall over Kaniski, which leads to the pin. Kaniski wasn't in position. He was too far over. And so Race falls, and it's like Kaniski takes what seems like forever to make the, the three count. And you could tell when Race got up, he like looked at him, and it was like, what? Yeah, how did what you, you mess that up? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a seasoned pro here, and you can't... You're supposed to do three things in this match, and you couldn't do one of them properly. You know, like, what are you doing here? But he was there to call all the close fists. All the close the fists breaks. and the rope breaks, and oh, Lord. <laughs> well, just a little, another thing about Gene Kaniski, too, is this isn't the first time he's had, like, a major botch in a match. Like, I remember, actually, I was watching the uh, History of the World Championship, and Kaniski was actually fighting Dory Funk Jr., like in the early 70s, like 73 or something like that. And it was, I think it was supposed to be like a, a two out of three falls kind of ordeal. I can't remember exactly what it was, but really early into the match, like he, Kaniski submits and the match is done. So, I mean, he said he kind of had a mental lapse uh, there. Yeah. And then you see him do this at the uh, end of the finish in this event. And I'm going, oh, yeah, not to, mental lapses and botches, man. Like, ugh, they, they, ugh, it's not good for so for, not good um, for business for their first pay per view, which is the first pay per view in in our in our series here. Uh, the mega event to end all mega events. What score would you guys give it out of ten? <sighs> well, because of the first five matches were just um, ugh, so bad. Steamboats match brought it up a little bit. Uh, the dog collar match brought it up a lot. Um, I mean, the execution of the main event was it was solid. So I'll give it a five. Dave, you're very generous, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I give it a four point five. Wow. Okay. I just. Wow, you're coming down on me by I'm just 0.5 of a mark. It's, it's generous, huge. But I'm generous. I, okay. I feel that when you pay as much money as people probably pay for this event. $5. And the first five matches are just... Yeah. Like, I, if I had the chance to channel surf at that time, I would love to. Yeah. I just, I didn't feel like there was a reason that, you know, and that's the problem that I have with you is I didn't, I wasn't sold to stay and watch the main event. I felt like just turning the channel. Yeah. And then Steamboat came on. Yeah. yeah, but so, that was the 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 match that was the semi main event exactly like it was just so before. Like, yeah, or right before then, it just the, the pay per view didn't feel memorable. Yeah, so I was just like, yeah, four point five is all I'm going to give it. So what say you, Jesse. The first five matches, I give a one out of ten, and that's just for Orton and Slater because I thought that match was okay, but the other four were junk. But then the back half of the card was better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would give that a seven out of ten. So if you add it up, divide it in half, uh, four out of ten. <laughs> that's, okay. that's what I give it. And that's just because the first five matches were not good. Um, it doesn't have to have the best story, but have decent workers. You know, uh, I just, that first match just d- does not bring you in. Does not give you confidence that the rest of this pay-per-view <laughs> is going to be good. Um, there were good matches on it, but overall the, I thought the card was weak. Yep. And um, I'm hoping in uh, 
when we review um, for episode two, Starcade 84, they bring a little bit more pizzazz to the table because this was not good. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Squared Circle Rewind. We will see you in one week.